It was last May. As a matter of fact, Pastor Calhoun was there. And uh, it was last May on the Saturday evening of our Man Up adventure in South Dakota that I got a call from my wife. And she said, you have to come home. And I said, what do you mean I have to come home? Like, this is my big dream. This is what I do. This is who I am. And she said, no, you need to come home. I'm losing the baby. And I remember thinking the thoughts that we all think when we face trauma, situations, especially as children of God. I remember thinking, God, this this doesn't happen to me. Like... I'm your son. And I remember feeling kind of confused, a little shaken. I remember calling a couple of the guys that were there into the room and there was some prayer that happened and I just remember driving all night and getting home but not making it in time. Those are moments that can define our lives if we allow them to. Moments where life can dictate to us through the situations and the trauma that we deal with, whether or not God is good. When you look at what the Bible starts to talk about in the very beginning, when Eve was in the garden and there was the fruit and everything that was happening, the serpent came to Eve in a moment of weakness and he tried to get her to question the goodness of God. And I'm just here to tell someone today that no matter what you've been through today, God is still on the throne. He's still alive. He's still a good God. And there's nothing that can take that away from us. We're standing, sitting here today. My wife is five months pregnant with a healthy baby. We're claiming a healthy pregnancy because out of the ashes of brokenness and pain and trauma, God can bring fresh life and it can spring forth in our lives. And I just want to encourage someone today. I don't know you. I don't know what you're going through. But I want to encourage you today. God is on the throne. He knows your name. He sees where you're at. You're not lost in his great grand plan. But there is a purpose for your life. His plans are still to prosper, it says in Jeremiah 29. And I believe that today more than ever. Let's clap our hands to Jesus one more time this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. No matter what I feel right now, no matter what it looks like, you are good, oh God. You have my best interests in mind. You are so, so kind. You're a good, good father. And we thank you for that this morning. We worship you today. Amen. If you have a Bible, grab that. If it's on your phone, that's cool. Glowing Bibles are awesome too. I have one right here. Turn with me to Genesis, the first chapter. We do covet your prayers. About 10 months ago, we left everything. My wife and I were lead pastors in Minnesota. We uh, felt God leading us to take a large step of faith and so we walked away from comfort and predictability and God told us we were supposed to take an Abraham journey and just in case I wasn't clear on what that was I turned to Genesis chapter 12 and I only had to read the first verse (laughs) leave everything leave home 
leave income, leave family, go out in a way that I will show you, but I'm not going to show you quite yet. And so we've become missionaries to the family. And uh, although I'm not going to preach in that direction this morning, that is our biggest heartbeat is to see families strengthened because I believe that when there are strong families, then there are strong churches. And when we have strong churches, we can impact our communities and then ultimately change culture. And that is what America needs right now more than anything is a change and a shift in culture with all the garbage that's going on out there. We need more love and less hate. And there's no greater love than this than a man would lay down his life for his friend and that was spoken of Jesus. We need to shine the light and the love of Jesus. Amen. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, starting at the very beginning of the Bible. Reading from the King James Version, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit, everyone say Spirit. Spirit Spirit of God moved, say moved, Moved. upon the face of the waters. I want to preach to you this morning for just the next few minutes on this title. Put up your sail. The wind is blowing. Jesus, we just ask for your blessing, for your anointing, for your power to move here today. God, I'm not here on a Sunday morning out of tradition. I'm not at church just because it's Sunday. I'm not here to punch a time card to say that I made it and then to go home the same way that I came. God, I'm here to leave different because you love us enough to change us when we get into your presence, God. I pray today that, Lord, my heart, oh God, in this place and in this time would be changed. I pray that the hearts of every uh, every person that's gathered here, all the people that are here this morning, would be impacted by your power and your spirit, God. It's not emotion. It's not charisma. God, it's your power that changes us. And I just pray for the Holy Ghost to move this morning in this place. I pray for your spirit to blow through here and to impact our hearts, to give us an encounter with you, God, an encounter that, Lord, will leave us changed for the better. We ask this today in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. 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 Why don't you shake hands with someone close to you this morning. Tell them it's good to see them this morning at Life Springs. I want to welcome everybody here this morning. It's awesome to see you all. Amen. You can be seated today. Last August, I set out on one of the greatest adventures of my life. As your pastors mentioned, I love to be in the outdoors. As a matter of fact, I was just telling my father-in-law this morning that I now sleep better outside in a tent. I know you can laugh at me. Than I do in a house. For the last three months, I've slept more outside than I have in a building. I've done the math, and it's kind of mind-boggling to think about. But last summer in August, uh, I went on just the trek of my life so far. I haven't climbed Everest, and I never will, uh, or any of those things. We have a child on the way. We're going to do sensible things. Um, But I was in the Bighorn Mountains with a friend, 
and we were going to climb the highest peak in the Bighorn Mountains, which is called Cloud Peak. Now, Cloud Peak is only 13,167 feet high, but when you read the climbing guides, it says that it climbs like a difficult 14er, which means that it's going to take some effort, it's going to take some time, and it's probably going to put a hurting on your body a little bit. And so we hiked in eight miles, we set up base camp, we woke up at five in the morning, we left when it was still dark out, and we started the five-mile uh, summit of Cloud Peak. Now, uh, from camp to peak, it's only about 3,200 feet of elevation gain, but the last three miles of that is all above tree line. It's three miles of no trail, nothing but boulders, straight up. There's this little part that you get to, it's called Knife's Edge, and it's a little wider than this uh, set of benches right here. And as you're climbing up the flank of the mountain, the ridge narrows to about, I don't know, 20 yards or so, and it's hundreds of feet down on both sides. And I was reminded yet again when I was climbing Cloud Peak with my friend Jerry that the most debilitating thing for me about climbing is when I get above the tree line and there's nothing to stop the wind. The wind never stops blowing and it blows in my ears and in my eyes and I'm pulling sand and dirt out of places I didn't even know I had. The wind is the thing that just takes the energy out of me because it's, it, it, it's just unrelenting. It never stops moving and it never stops blowing. I remember back to attempting, uh, to attempting my first multi-day summit of a mountain. I remember I spent hours prepping my gear. I spent hours checking my pack, revisiting my routes, making sure I had all my ducks in a row. And I remember thinking that I was prepared. Got up early, went out. And things went well until early on the second morning when I climbed past the last of the tree line. And I was blasted again with an unrelenting wind with nowhere to hide and no way to control it. The wind just blew and blew and blew. And it was a demonstration of power. I don't know how many have been keeping track of the hurricane that's going on down in Texas, but it's the water, yes, but it's also the wind. And when there's nothing to stop the wind, it's such a powerful, powerful force. In and through trips like these, I've come to realize that when I get above the tree line, the wind never stops blowing. It never stops moving. It's always active because there is nothing that can contend with it, nothing that can stop it. Whether it's just a little breeze or it's a gale force wind, the air is always active, it's charged, it's moving, and it's alive. And I've come to have a brand new respect for the wind because I've come to realize how something that I cannot see can have such a powerful effect on me as a human being. Solomon echoes what nature teaches us in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 6. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It says, blowing toward the south, then turning toward the north, the wind continues swirling along, and on its circular courses, the wind returns. 
It is often said that nature reflects the beauty, the majesty of God. I don't know, maybe that's why they call it nature. Uh, possibly, I'm not, not sure. But Genesis chapter 1 records the beginning of this wonderful and beautiful landscape we live on. And we read it at the beginning of our of this message this morning it says and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters there at the origins of your life and my life the origins of this world there at the epicenter of creation the bible says the spirit of god was moving it was moving and friends i want you to know this morning that it hasn't stopped moving since it was here this morning moving through the wind was blowing and i felt it just sweep over us today and it's still moving here right now Fast forward with me to the New Testament. John, the third chapter, records Jesus speaking with a man who was a well-known religious leader in his day. And his conversation with the man Nicodemus, uh, in it, Jesus shares some, I don't know, some valuable insight, maybe you would call it. He says this in John chapter 3 and verse 8. Reading the first portion, Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. Like the unceasing prevailing wind on Cloud Peak or just the breath of the words of an almighty God creating the world. What Jesus is telling Nicodemus is that the wind of his spirit is not subject to the voice of any earthly power. It is beyond the control of any human being, any circumstance in your life or my life or any attempt of the enemy of your soul to block that wind. Friend, what I want you to know this morning is that the spirit of God God started moving back at the beginning and it's still moving today. There's nothing that can stop it in your life. There's not a devil in hell. There's not a situation or a circumstance that can stop that wind from blowing. There's no person in your life that can stand between you and the wind of the Spirit of God. There's no sickness. There's no evil report. If you believe that this morning, put your hands together. Amen. Amen. I want to build some faith here this morning. I want you to understand what I'm talking about. I'm going to go off script for just a second. I was born on December 4th, 1982. I was premature. And shortly after I was delivered, the doctors came to my mom and they said, Mrs. Thompson, um, we regret to inform you that there is something wrong with your son. And they did a battery of tests. And for the first several weeks of my life, I lived in an incubator in St. Paul Ramsey Hospital in St. Paul, Minnesota. And the doctors could not figure out how to fix little Nathan Thompson. I had a rare disease that I can't pronounce. 
It's on my medical charts, I promise. What was happening was that I was poisoning myself from the inside. Things with my digestive system and how it was formed being premature and how it was acting and reacting, many things, many complicated things weren't working right and there was nothing that they could do and they looked at my parents and they said, it's just a matter of time before your son passes away because there's nothing that we can do. It sounds similar to a diagnosis given to a woman in the New Testament with an issue of blood. There's nothing we can do. You've spent all your money you've pursued and pursued and pursued and my mom got on the phone and she called her pastor pastor lester thompson from racine wisconsin just a short ways away he's now uh, since passed on but he drove all the way over to saint paul ramsey hospital and he came into that room and he as best he as he could with me being an incubator laid his hand and stretched his hand towards me and he prayed the prayer of faith and i went home just a couple of days later. Why? Because the wind has never stopped blowing. If you're sitting here this morning and you think that God is not interested in your life, I'm here to tell you that the enemy has lied to your soul because that's what he does. Jesus called Satan a liar and the father of lies. And I'm here to declare truth over you today that Jesus took nails. He shed blood so that we have access to the supernatural here and if we open our hearts up this morning and we begin to let faith rise in our lives and we begin to just loosen up a little bit today I am here to declare that God can do supernatural things in this place this morning here amen the wind is still blowing still blowing I do believe that there's nothing that Satan would like to do more than to convince you and I that he can stop or he has stopped the blowing of the wind in our lives. That he has somehow stifled the wind of the Spirit of God in our lives. That he has somehow cut us off from the life-giving breezes of that presence of God. But my Bible tells me in Isaiah 54 that no weapon that is formed against us will prosper. The Bible tells me that God is still interested in our lives. He's still into healing, the saving, the delivering business. That where there is sadness, there can be joy. That when there is sickness there can be healing Paul writes in Romans 8 that if God be for us who can be against us he writes just a little bit later that nothing can separate us from the love of God and so I'm here to declare this morning in Wisconsin that the wind of the spirit of God is blowing over and around you today that it is unrelenting that it is never ceasing that it's the ever pursuing love of a God who loves and is interested in you and it's not going to stop blowing thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus if you don't mind following me on a little side journey for a second I saw a scripture a few months ago that piqued my interest and it was in 2nd Peter uh, the first chapter, 
21st verse. And at first glance, it might not have a lot to do with what we're talking about this morning, but it does. It's a scripture that is depicting how the Holy Scriptures came about. It says in 1 Peter 1.21, For the prophecy came not in old by the will of man. Okay? Just bring that into common language here. Some guy in a back room at a church didn't just make all this up. <laughs> but holy men of God spake as they were What does it say? Moved. Moved. Moved by the what? The Holy Ghost. This verse in 2 Peter is letting us in on the recipe of how the Holy Scriptures came to be. How the supernatural came down into the natural and was born onto, a, onto the pages we now read it from. It's, it is giving us the recipe of the, the Bible. And so, with any recipe, there has to be a list of ingredients. And so, they're very simple, but here they are. Number one, the first ingredient is mankind. Everyone say, me. I know it says holy men, okay, and I'm not discounting that. But there's another scripture in, in Hebrews that talks about how the great people in scriptures that we pedestalize a lot of times, stick them up on a pedestal, that they were common people just like us, but they were able to tap into a little extra. They were able to open themselves up to God just a little wider, and he was able to do things in their lives. These were people, the Moseses, the Elijahs, the Davids, they were people just like us. So the first ingredient is humanity. The second ingredient was the blowing wind of the Holy Ghost, the very spirit and essence of God. Now, anybody who knows anything, do we have any bakers or do we have any chefs here? Anybody that, anybody that likes to eat cookies? I guess I'll raise my hand on that one. <laughs> now, let's, now, let's say that we were going to make some cookies and I gave Jesse here the list of ingredients now, if he just took those ingredients and just dumped them all into a bowl and came over and said, here's cookies, that would be disgusting. And it wouldn't be cookies. Because anybody who knows anything about cooking or baking or anything understands that, yes, the list of ingredients are important, but there's a process that must be applied to the ingredients to get the desired result. Are we tracking this morning? Okay, so there's a process that has to be applied to these ingredients. So 2 Peter 1.21 says, The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have our two ingredients. We have mankind, and we have the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, blowing above and around this man. And then we have our action step. We have our, we have our action that we're going to apply to this, and it's the word moved. Now in Greek which is what the New Testament was written in. This word moved is the word pharaoh. And what pharaoh means literally is to carry. As in, to move something by bearing it. Okay, B-E-A-R-I-N-G, bearing. 
to be conveyed or born, B-O-R-N-E, with the suggestion of force and speed. Moved. Moved. I guess the idea here would be like as in a person born in a ship over the seas. Okay, you come track with me here. Carried by a gust of wind. I don't know how many people have ever been picked up off the ground by wind, but I have. (laughs) I was a youth pastor once. I wasn't a youth pastor very long after this happened. (laughs) And it wasn't because I got fired, but I probably could have, should have. We were camping in northern Minnesota. I was a youth pastor at Greater Life in Minneapolis. And uh, I was a co-youth pastor. And so the other youth pastor happened to be a contractor. And so sometimes we were like pinky in the brain from that cartoon show. Um, He had all the tools and I had the brains. And we woke up on the Saturday morning of our youth camping trip. And it was a very gusty day. Now we were camped in these trees, but just over and through the trees was this huge field. And I remembered that he happened to have one of those huge contractor's tarps in the back of his truck. You know, the ones that are like 20 feet by 30 feet. And I came up with this bright idea that, hey, we've got like 25 or 28 kids here. Let's take this thing out into the field Let's carefully unwrap it like close to the ground so the wind doesn't catch it. And then between gusts, let's get it all the way unwrapped and let's have everybody hold on to it and see what happens next time the wind blows. I kid you not, we got it all stretched out and there was all these from like 11 years old to 19 year old, all these kids holding on and the wind blew. I'm not talking like 20 or 30, I'm talking it was a gusty day, probably 40 or 50. The wind blew and caught this tarp and the next thing I know, I am 10 feet off the ground. I'm not kidding and so are all these kids and we are flying through this field and everyone just kind of crumbles down and there's kids underneath the tarp and stuff and they're looking at me like, what just happened? And I'm looking at them like, what just happened? The wind literally picked us up off the ground and it was exhilarating and stupid. It's super easy for us to dismiss scriptures like 2 Peter 1.21 with just simple notions that those were holy men. They were so much different than me. The idea that this scripture conveys to me is that when the supernatural spirit of God came blowing over and around average, mortal, everyday human beings like you and I, that they somehow found a way to put up a sail. They somehow found a way to harness that and have it move them from right where they were at in the middle of everyday life into a place in the supernatural where God could change the very makeup of who they were, where the supernatural could come down into the natural and work in their lives in a way they had never seen before. 
What I'm trying to tell someone today is that the wind is blowing and we can wake up and understand that it's blowing or we can live our whole lives wondering where it's at, but it's all around us. It's blowing here today. God doesn't care who's playing a little later today in the NFL. He's not all that interested in it. What he's interested in is changing the hurt places in our heart, getting behind the walls we've built up where people have hurt us and we've not let any in and he's interested in taking what's broken and making it whole he's interested in taking what hurts and introducing healing to it and so that wind has not stopped blowing and it's not going to stop blowing but there's a big difference between just feeling the wind blow and letting the wind fill your sails and propel you into the supernatural. There's a big difference between just feeling God and opening up the sails of your spirit and letting God move on you and through you in a brand new way. I'm here to encourage you this morning. Put up your sails. The wind is blowing. Put up your sails. Let his spirit catch full inside your heart. Let him move you in a mighty way. I mentioned earlier that I had served as a lead pastor for seven years before we transitioned 10 months ago into um, this missionary to the family status that we're in. And if I can just be honest with you this morning, there were times I wondered how the same people could gather in a church building week after week sing the same songs and hear the same sermons, be exposed to the same winds of the Spirit, yet some flourish and some flounder. Some thrive and some wither. Is it okay if I'm real this morning? Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 that each of us has been given a measure of faith. It's me and you. When we engage the almighty, all-powerful, ever-moving, unrelenting spirit and presence of the living God, when we open our sails up with the faith that God has given us, what we are effectively doing is putting up a sail to catch that wind that moves around us. For it is our faith that motivates God to move on our behalf. Your faith is such a powerful currency in the presence of God. Faith is the vehicle that takes us from the natural into the supernatural. Our faith is the sail that catches the wind of God and propels us beyond the situations and the circumstances of our past into the future where things can be made new. I believe God has a future for each of you. But sometimes to move into that future, we find healing from the past. That doesn't happen. when the sails aren't up. Because we'll never be propelled from where we are now into where he wants to take us. 
if we never take our hand off the rudder and the oars and stick the sail up and let him do in us what he wants to do. Sometimes we're so scared of letting go and I'm talking to the guys right now because a lot of us, a lot of us love to have control. We love control, but control and life change in the realm of the supernatural like oil and water and whether you're a male or a female sometimes what it takes let me rephrase that always what it takes for God to move us into the new place that he has for us is for us just to let go and if you like the terminology Jesus take the wheel a little bit better we need to just let go of whatever we are holding on to we need to just open ourselves up, tear down the walls we've built up to keep ourselves safely tucked away inside and let the winds of his presence flow through us because the winds bring life and life springs forth and God is able to take what is broken and make it brand new. Stand this morning close in just a couple minutes. There's another place in the Bible that illustrates the principle of catching God's holy wind in our sails in a greater way than probably anywhere else in Scripture. I was talking with a man who fought forest fires. See, out where we live now in Montana, we don't have tornadoes like we did in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Our tornadoes are wildfires. And he had fought fires all over the north, west, the west, even in Alaska. And he told me something that I remembered hearing a long time ago in school, but I had forgotten. He told me that fire especially large fire, makes its own wind. Because what does fire need in order to continue burning? It needs oxygen. So when you have a massive fire, it literally will create its own wind. It literally will suck the wind. Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus' disciples were left standing in the middle of the road looking up, wondering where their Savior had gone and when they would see him again. His final words echoed in the chambers of their soul. He had told them he was going to send the supernatural down into the natural where they lived. That the Holy Ghost was going to move upon them in a way that would leave them changed, different, powerful Jesus had instructed them to wait with hearts of anticipation and faith for this promise to be fulfilled Acts 1 continues to tell us that Peter the disciples Mary the mother of Jesus and the others that were gathered there in obedience to Jesus commands in the upper room in Jerusalem that they began to pray 
They began to worship. They began to effectively raise their sails. There's something so powerful that happens when we lift our hands to God because this isn't some charismatic Christian thing that we have to be too proud to do. No, when we raise our hands to God, it is the international sign of surrender. If I put a gun in his face, you know what would happen? His hands would go up. It's not some Christian thing. It's a sign of surrender. And something happens when we lift our hands. We begin to worship the King of Kings. Something powerful starts to happen. And suddenly, it's not just the person over here who's feeling something. Suddenly, I'm feeling something now too. Because I've begun to engage God with my body, with my mind, with my mouth, and with my heart. Change starts to be able to take place when we lift our hands and we lift our heads to heaven and we begin to worship and that's what they did in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Acts 2 tells us that a day shortly thereafter God made good on his promise. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 2 that from the heavens there came the sound of a rushing, a rushing mighty wind and it swept through that house and the supernatural came to earth that day in the way that earth had never experienced it before. In Acts 2 and 2 it says there was a rushing. That word rushing... Same exact Greek word that was used in 1 Peter 1.21. Moved. The word pharaoh. And what it insinuates that day is that there wasn't just people there standing around waiting for the presence of God, but that there were people there who knew the wind was coming and they had their sails up already so that when the wind came, it could catch them and move them into a place of the supernatural. When the Holy Ghost falls in our lives, it doesn't just hit us unawares. No, we're expecting it to come. We're expecting it to move. We're waiting waiting and ready for the Holy Ghost to fall. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I feel the Holy Ghost is telling someone today to put up your sails because the wind is blowing. Put up your sails right now because God Almighty is blowing through this place today. I wonder if we can just lift our hands this morning. I wonder if we can just begin to engage the King of Kings today in this place. Jesus, we need you. We need you right now all over this place, God. I feel faith in this place today. I've already seen tears this morning on a couple of your faces. And I want to give you an opportunity right now. Hey, this, isn't, this doesn't need to be awkward. You can go ahead and keep singing. You're doing good. If you want a special touch in your life this morning, I want to invite you just to take a step of faith to the front. Just put up a sail. Just come to the front, okay? 90% of the miracles Jesus did in the New Testament involve people coming to Him. There's something powerful about us just opening our hearts up and just taking a step of faith. It doesn't need to be scary. 
And when you get up here, I want you just to do what you've already done. Just begin to lift your head and to lift your hands. Just to engage Him with your faith. He's here in this place in a powerful way today. He wants to touch your family. He wants to touch your heart. He wants to move in your life this morning. He's here in this place today. Oh, Jesus. We need the supernatural to come down into the natural today. God, I bind all fear today that would grip our hearts. God, I bind, oh God, all pride that would come against us. That would, Lord, try to keep us wrestling for control. God, I pray that life change would take place this morning in this place today. As we begin to engage you this morning with our hearts and our hands and our mouths and our lives today. Fill this place with your presence. Fill this place with your presence, Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.